What's going on? Welcome to this week's edition of All Elite Weekly, the first fan podcast, or any podcast for that matter, devoted solely to the brand new wrestling promotion, All Elite Wrestling. I'm your host, Matt Cruz. It is January 22nd as I sit here and talk to you. It is like 9.30. It's a late one. This is probably the latest AEW I've done so far. Um, It's been a long week, I'm not going to lie. The sun didn't come out a lot this week. It's been kind of a crappy week out here in Riverside, California. Uh, I hope your week is going a little bit better, to be honest with you. But regardless, it was another week of wrestling. It's another week of all week. Uh, news. It was kind of a slow week in news, but we did have some cool matches. So uh, without further ado, let's let's get into it, man. It's time to crack open a cold one and talk about some wrestling. Let's go over some all elite wrestlers matches this past week. We had a few good ones, uh, <laughs> particularly good ones. Though I don't know if you've been f- following the internet this past week, but the Bucks hit the road. Cody and Brandy hit the road. They got out there. They pressed the flesh. They made some noise in the independent world. Uh, well, it started off pretty close to home. Lit- I mean, literally close to my home, like 70 miles from where I'm at right now. Uh, on Wednesday, January 16th, in Los Angeles at the Bootleg Theater, it was Bar Wrestling. It was the best city I've ever been to, uh, and it was hosted, or not hosted, but it was going to be headlined by SCU. It was already known ahead in advance that SCU was going to be having like an open challenge, so some kind of match, some kind of surprise match. Aside from that, it was a good card, man. I think Taya Valkyrie was on there. I think Brian Cage was on there. Some other cats from Impact. Uh, some other cats from all over the independent wrestling scene. Um, but let's just let's just jump into the main thing. I'm sure you've seen the headlines all over. I kind of wanted to break down uh, what I saw of the match, at least. So the, the headlining match was going to end up being SCU, uh, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and Scorpio Sky against what turned out to be a team of Watts and the Rock Nest Monsters. I don't really know these cats, but I got to see a little bit of them in action. Um... From what I saw, I couldn't find any full matches online. Uh, I mean, I'm sure this is this is a thing going on in the independent scene. I'm sure people want to kind of keep uh, keep track of their rights and keep keep ownership to the clips and the matches because I, what I, something that I was unaware of. A lot of these cats out there are doing it like like punk style, like punk rock style. What I found, what I came across, was something called Pivot Share, PivotShare.com. Well, it was actually PivotShare.BarWrestling.com. It was their specific site on Pivot Share, and what I found there was like. A ton of independent events from like bar wrestling, from ECCW, who I've talked about here in the past, and just like a ton more. It's it's basically like just it's a little marketplace you can go on there and buy, um, like I like a Dat Piff was back in the day from mixtapes and things like that. It's like kind of independent, straight from the wrestling, the independent wrestling companies to the consumers. Man, I think it's really cool. So I don't, I don't think this one is up on there yet as as I speak, but you know, it, as this gets uploaded, it could be you know January twenty third, twenty fourth. Um, so who knows? I would check pivotshare.barwrestling.com. The one that I ended up watching mainly was on Joey Ryan's YouTube channel. Joey Ryan pops up in this as well. Joey Ryan is a key participant in what goes on here. Um, so what I what I've seen it starts off mainly with with uh, with Watts and the Rockness Monsters being in charge of the match. You got Watts in the ring. He turns. He power bombs Christopher Daniels. Uh, he starts to get a little out of control. Watts turns and he choke slams the referee. I guess this referee is is somebody who people know from from Ring of Honor or something like that. Uh, to be honest, I don't really want to spoil the surprise. As I go back through the Bucks catalog, they obviously have some type of history with him. So as I go back through the catalog, I'd kind of like to discover that organically. If you really, really want to spoil it for me, or if you're that kind of that kind of person, I, I appreciate the interaction anyway. So hit me up anyways. All Elite Weekly. 
try not to do you know something too dickish don't give me too much about it i know he's Knox. i know he's cool now so you got watson there scorpio sky comes in he starts to put up a bit of a fight he's doing pretty good honestly for a second but of course he gets thwarted you got watts running the ring for a minute uh he's he's basically running running things uh, he turns to go grab a chair from outside of the ring and then down comes from the backstage joey ryan joey ryan intervenes if you cats don't know joey ryan i would say look him up i saw him first for the first time at all in like a lot of these cats like we've talked about here in the past he's got a definitely an interesting uh gimmick that you know the whole the whole the whole dick flip thing is is divisive I, at least i could say i definitely have shown a couple friends and, and i've had some people be like wow that's awesome and i've had some people be like what the fuck is this guy doing why is he why is he getting paid to do this so joey ryan comes down to intervene his talks fail he's about to get the shit beat out of him with the chair and out of nowhere hangman page enters and the place explodes i mean the pop in there I, i've never I, I don't think i've been to the bootleg for for a concert but but the pop in this little bar must have been fucking crazy he comes out page is looking very very stone cold i think he kind of had the get up the same get up at all in you know he's got the he's got the trunks he's got the vest um he's got the knee braces and yeah he, he came out with the with the rope as well looking super super badass he got that bmf walk as he's coming out to the ring he comes in starts to, to level some stuff fighting with watts front flip over uh front flip over the top rope lariat he, i mean classic page he's running things people are still going crazy at the time of all in i wasn't a huge elite fan like we've talked about so i didn't know the full backstory behind the hangman page and joey ryan storyline but to have it come full circle and page come here to save joey ryan i think it's perfect so you got this moment hey page helps him out watts is still in the ring joey ryan and, and hangman page double team uh watts double dick joy watts as, as you might say a double dick flip as lottie starts chanting uh pretty pretty shortly after and then something happened that i don't think anybody expected to happen especially at the beginning of the night hangman page extends his hand for a handshake with joey ryan and just like that it seems like all the animosity is about to get wiped away and then it's disrupted by the rockness monsters the rockness monsters jump back in the ring start to tear shit up that's what I love so much about these cats, and especially these little indie matches. They really know how to like well, the certain promotions. At least they very much know how to like pull the heartstrings of like of the audience so much better than I think what we've seen a lot of other places. When all else looks lost, and when the Rock Nest Monsters are tearing shit up, another hero enters, and multiple heroes. The crowd explodes again, and coming down from the backstage area, Cody and Brandy enter. Uh, Cody, Cody jumps in. I mean, the audience starts cheering Cody chance. Cody jumps in. He starts to mix it up with the monsters. He's doing okay. You know, he's, he's handling his own back and forth. Boom. He sets one of them up and right from the other side of the corner, full speed. Brandy hits that bionic spear. Boom. Knocks him out, man. It's pretty cool. The audience goes crazy. Cody starts to make himself comfortable. He's, he tosses off his shoes. He tosses off his jacket. Basically like, all right, let's go. Like we're here. It's time to tear shit up one uh, i think one of the monsters on the outside of the ring and what was pretty cool about the setup before bar wrestling if you ever get a chance in los angeles from what i've seen i, I would definitely recommend it. it it seemed like a punk concert i know i'm overusing punk right now but uh it definitely seemed like a punk concert where like it's this it, the ring is in the center of the bar and there's no barricades the fans are literally like shoulders elbows on the mat there's no space so one of the monsters is on the outside like in the crowd Cody runs the runs the ropes, boom, over the top, into the crowd, hits one of the monsters. So cool, jumps back in and gets everybody riled up. 
at this point they kind of pull off like a like a Ms. Maurice type thing. I love the power couple. I mean, it's they're they're definitely the opposite of like or the antithesis of uh, Ms. and Maurice as far as like power couples go in wrestling. People love the Brandy and uh, Cody Rhodes storyline. So they they go in for a kiss, and that again, boom! Just when everything seems sweet and everything seems nice. And the elite have come to save the day. Super kick by Watts. Boom. Right to Cody in the chin. And Brandy's left alone in the ring. So Brandy's cornered in, this, uh, Brandy's cornered in, in uh, literally in the corner. And Watts starts to, you know, kind of stalk her, go towards her and to, and to intimidate her. And at, and at the same time, I think there was probably a little, a little mishap with the timing. But at the same time as they appear, boom, the music for the Bucks hits. And the place go, gets the loudest it's been all night. I saw some people talking about having been there in the room. Um, some wrestling fans and just how appreciative they were for for the elite to show up there. Um, some people were saying they're like, "Oh, imagine if the Beatles popped into like your shitty local or sorry, not shitty, but it's like your local like your local bar to play a gig, and you were there, and they just happened to drop in for a set. Like that's what it was like. So I mean, these appearances for for the elite out there on the road, they're out there, they're spending some money to do it, they're getting the word out, but it's not definitely not going unappreciated. The Bucks are in the room. They take their stroll down to the ring. Watts is still intimidating Brandy in the corner. They're hitting their poses, you know, the classic Young Bucks poses. People are going crazy. It was, It's cool, but if, to me, that felt a little too meta. Like, it felt a little too weird. Like, the scene with Watts and Brandy was still going on. And, and the Young Bucks were kind of coming out, like, with a classic entrance. Do the whole thing, hitting their poses. And then they kind of just, like, jumped back into it. Like... They almost did like the uh, the classic cartoon thing where you basically like tap the guy on the on the shoulder like oh like oh, don't tell him we're here even though everyone is screaming at the top of their fucking lungs and everyone's flashing their cameras but sh- Eric Watts does not or Watts doesn't know we're here his in all fairness apologies to Watts and I remember his first name his his first name is probably not Eric Watts that's that's probably some WCW rattling around in the back of my brain there so they surprise Watts and we get the business super kick party all around. On the Watts and the Rock Nest Monsters, Young Bucks come out to settle the score. Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels jump back in the ring, hit the Meltzer. One, two, three. SCU wins. Very, very cool place erupts again. Um, they kind of stick around for like not an encore, but basically like to cut a promo. So everybody takes the ring. Everybody from AEW takes the ring. The AEW chants in the crowd start. Scorpio Sky, who I believe was the one who's been to the bar wrestling in the past. I think he fought Brian Cage last year and he promised that he'd be back and he's so he basically gets up there takes the mic he's like oh i promised i'd be back i told you i'd bring frankie zarian i told you i'd bring daniels you didn't know my friends from the elite would be here um and he's he's basically ripe, uh hyping the crowd up he says something along the lines of like we're the three mu- we're like the three musketeers prompting obviously like the candy bit uh from what that i talked about last episode on being the elite I still don't know the origin of the candy bit, but I'm lo- I'm still digging it. It's, I think it's super funny. They treat it like it's something hardcore, like as Matt Jackson is feeding Scorpio Sky a Three Musketeers bar because he's now spoken the words Three Musketeers in the ring. People are acting as if it's something hardcore. You know, they're like, oh, you sick fuck. Cody gets the mic. He gets to do a little bit of crowd work. He says three EVPs didn't work in WCW, but it will in AEW. We're in charge of hiring and firing. And at this point, I think it kind of turned a little bit um, because the audience started chanting Joey. They start for Joey Ryan. They're like, Joey, Joey. Um, 
and obviously the, the you know they weren't prepared for that i don't think cody and, and the bucks were prepared for that he kind of he responds he's like oh you guys are going a little off script uh and they still don't care they're still pushing for joey ryan the crowd is yelling sign that dick um uh it's a response to this cody cody brings up an interesting joke he makes a joke but it's also brings up an interesting factoid that i didn't know he says oh like uh we would sign joey but he's signed to lucha underground until 2028 i didn't know what was going on with lucha underground if you're unaware as well like i was a couple hours ago i guess lucha underground was still in some litigious situations they still had some of their main talent under contract um and they basically hadn't been let out from their contracts yet joey ryan being one of the main athletes that we're talking about in this I guess the the last big event, uh, L4, has been a while, and there's been no L5 in sight, so people are kind of waiting for Joey Ryan to... I think ba- Joey Ryan's basically in, like, a rap... Another, to put it in a rap scenario, he was in, like, Cassius or, like, Bobby Creekwater or somebody who's just sitting on a shelf, somebody who's signed just to kind of sit on a shelf. Um, and people weren't happy about that. You could obviously hear that in the room. So to kind of make up for it, he goes, oh, it's okay, because we are going to sign everyone in this building you're all aew uh and then he gets out of the ring and like crowd surfs i don't think i've ever seen a wrestler crowd surf from a ring you never see fans that close to a ring that was a pretty cool image i'm sure he wanted to take advantage of that of that stage work um so they bring him back to the ring and they do they do a couple bits with the bucks about the pyro being expensive um so he he eventually gets gets scolded and he takes the mic again he says cody goes all right brandy just told me i had to fire all of you um, and they kind of boo this, but I think it was a cool bit. And CD Christopher Daniels gets the mic and closes the whole thing out basically by saying like, "But we're gonna need you to not cheer at any wrestling events for ninety days." I thought that was a really funny like little little contract gag in there, a little contract rib. Uh, Frankie Kazarian does the classic SCU closes the show out. So that was that. That was bar wrestling. If you made it out there, do me a favor, send me some clips, send me some pictures. Um, if you're in the Los Angeles area after that, or close to the Los Angeles area, like my broke ass, get your money up, which I will be doing, you know, and get your ass to the next bar wrestling because obviously they got some cool surprises going on over there. This was a huge one. Later in the week, Friday, January 18th in New York, it was Lucky Chang's A Matter of Pride Wrestling, or sorry, A Matter of Pride Wrestling at Lucky Chang's. Uh, this one was described as, like, I think we talked about it last week, was as uh, RuPaul's Drag Race meets WrestleMania. Hey, hasn't been my cup of tea in the past, but guess what? I, I was happy that this existed. I feel like the more types of wrestling we have out there, you know, just variety's good, man. I think anytime that there's variety and diversity in wrestling and competition, uh, it, it leads to nothing but good stuff for us fans. So at that event, like I said, a matter of pride wrestling, it was Penelope Ford versus Sunny Kiss in an intergender match. Pretty cool. I've talked about here in the past how I love Penelope Ford. I think she's going to be one of the biggest additions to all elite wrestling. So let's get to the match, man. It was another it was another bar situation or or like club type situation. A lot of strobe lights, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of drinks. Um, Penelope Ford basically comes out. The match starts, and Penelope Ford comes out um, from like a stage area. Imagine like a like a stage in a bar where you'd have like a band playing or something like that. And there's a ring, mm, a couple feet away, ten feet away. I don't know, five feet away. I've never been good at distance, <laughs> but there's there's a, there's a stage and there's a gap to the ring. So she kind of comes out, and I don't think she saw the setup. She kind of looks around and is like, "What the fuck am I supposed? How am I supposed to get over to the ring?" So eventually, she just jumps over to the ring. You know, jumps from the stage to the ring. I thought that was pretty cool. So. 
uh, we get going. Sunny Kiss is already he's already in the ring. Uh, I'd never seen Sunny Kiss before. He's a you know a very loud character. I thought he was a super athletic man. You could tell that he this is obviously home home turf for him. I think he's he's signed to a matter of pride wrestling or if they don't sign people, he's obviously a regular there at a matter of pride. You got some sunny chance going on as things get started as so as the uh, the bell rings, it was it was different. You can tell right off the bat they didn't start there was no head uh elbow or el- collar and elbow tie up to start the match or or trading shots to start the match. The first thing that they did was kind of circle each other, check each other out, you know, then compared compared to it's an ass. So that was something. Uh, Penelope Ford basically, you know, compliments him on his ass. He compliments her on her tits. They're both shaking him. And and then, you know, we're off to the races. Uh, That was the first time I've seen a match start like that. So we go a bit of back and forth. They're kind of shadowing, basically doing like, you know, like a a clothesline. And then the other person would bend bend backwards and miss the clothesline. Things like that. We're just getting a a chance at some of their like to see some of their their flips. They're they're doing some flips. They're getting some athleticism on on. uh, on showcase there at a certain point sunny sunny kisses kind of hops up to the top rope and and does something that i've never seen before it's interesting i'm sure if you go to sunny kisses instagram or or matter pride wrestling's instagram you'll see it up there but something that i'd have to like describe is um like a stink face mixed with like an inverted bronco buster but off the top rope like he kind of has penelope ford's head between like his his shins or between his legs and like is basically doing like a back and forth like rocking stink face motion it's it's interesting you know i mean the cats the cats obviously got some hops to get up there uh, um like speaking of bronco busters penelope ford gets basically back in the situation gets him in a corner Boom, Bronco Buster on Sunny Kiss. Very cool. People like Penelope Ford. They're starting to like Penelope Ford there in the crowd. After the Bronco Buster, then we get into a little bit of slapping action. You know, it's fine. It's like trading chops, man. Like people, you know, people who aren't wrestling fans at first, they're, when they see people trading chops in the center of the ring, they're kind of like, why are they slapping each other in the chest? You know, they don't know it's a rule in wrestling. You're not supposed to punch. So it's kind of a workaround. They do their own version of that. They're basically slapping each other back and forth. Um, then we get into a couple roll-ups and false finishes. I think they both get a couple. And eventually after that, Sonny, Sonny gets a final roll-up, rolls up Penelope Ford. Boom, one, two, three. Uh, Sonny Kiss picks up the win in the home turf, man. People people are happy about it. They end on good terms. What I thought was really cool about that, though, was I was impressed to see Penelope Ford out there doing the favors for Cats, especially with her name being so big right now. But who knows? Maybe that's why she's she's getting, you know, she's getting booked as often. Maybe she's out there getting that money to put people over, because if not, I mean, somebody I guess that's wrestling psychology. You have somebody a big name come in and to give one of your cats a win. That looks good. It looks good not only for for them individually, but I think it looks good for your promotion. The next day, Saturday, January 19th in Concord, North Carolina, it was Queens of Combat's Long May She Reign event. I believe in the main event, it was Penelope Ford versus Diamante for the Queens of Combat Championship. Uh, Full transparency, I haven't found this match yet. I haven't even found clips of this match, really. uh, I, I did stumble across something called Women's Wrestling Network when I was trying to find some of the footage for this i think that similar to like i was talking about pivot share before they a lot of independent companies put up their their uh their pay-per-views or their events for sale on there this one as i record this was not on there on january 22nd it was still not up there yet as you're listening to this i would double check women's wrestling network to see if it's up there yet um 
What I could find online basically came off of uh, Diamante's actual Instagram and Queens of Combat actual Instagram where I saw her post uh, a picture of herself with the belt and the hashtag was and still champion. So Penelope Ford, another boom, doing the favors two nights in a row out there in North Carolina for Diamante picks up the win and is still the Queen of Combat women's champion or Queens of Combat champion. I guess that would be a redundancy. That same night, Saturday, January 19th, across the coast in Seattle, Washington, it was Defy Wrestling's Defy Never Dies second anniversary show. Same deal as far as where you can find these things. As I checked, as I record this, it wasn't on Pivot Share, but Defy Wrestling is up on barwrestling.pivotshare.com, so double check that to see if this event is up there yet. You had an SCU invasion, man. It was pretty cool. It was said to be SCU versus Team Defy. And Team Defy was going to be made up of Schaff, Randy Myers, and Shane Strickland. Three indie cats I never got a chance to see up until today. And to be honest with you, if you haven't heard much about this match, I, I don't I don't blame you. I think a lot of, this match was overshadowed by something else we'll talk about here in a minute. And I'm sure you've seen the headlines for that. But the actual SCU match that was scheduled kind of got overlooked so here we go let's talk about the scu match man i couldn't find the full match but what we did see i saw a couple of videos um i'm not gonna put your username out there because i think it'll get taken down for copyright infringement and there are a couple of broke people like myself who still need to see these matches so what i did see it started off as thus you had strickland in there he took a best of scorpio sky him and scorpio sky going out a little bit scorpio sky hits one of his classic hurricane ranas with somebody sitting on the top rope this guy's hops never cease to to amaze me their athleticism is great he's in there tussling it up eventually shaft gets the best of scorpio sky frankie gazarian comes in starts to tussle with shaft boom hits the slingshot cutter from off the apron into the ring he's going he's tussling again myers comes in myers gets the best of frankie kazarian though frankie kazarian can't hang it in there with myers christopher daniels comes in to take take on myers christopher daniels and myers tussle christopher daniels hits that classic moonsault that we've been seeing for cd from cd for like 20 years now one two broken up by shaft from outside of the ring he comes in right on time in the end of the match uh strickland gets shane strickland gets daniels in the in the ring by himself gets him down on the mat hits him with something that i've never seen from the top rope it's called a swerve stomp um he basically jumps off the top rope gets his two and and projects so his his two feet are gonna land on uh christopher daniels shoulders as if he was doing like a crunch or doing a a a sit-up on the mat boom right back down like an inverted like an inverted stomp uh, like an inverted two feet stomp by the Kingslayer. One, two, three. The swerve stomp is too much for Christopher Daniels. And SCU does the favors for Team Defy. Team Defy protect their home territory. And SCU has to go back to a, a much better town, to be honest with you. But back with an L in their pocket. So what we're getting into now is that same night at the Defy event. Something that overshadowed that SCU match that everyone didn't see coming necessarily, but should have expected after the LA appearance. Um, so at a certain point in the night, Joey Ryan and injured Joey Ryan. Now uh, he's got a sling on his arm is in the ring. He's getting a three on one assault handed to him by King cash, Randy Hawkins and Guillermo Rosas, who I've never seen, but that's fun to say. Guillermo Rosas is in there with him. He, and he's about to take, I think they're about to take a, the boots to him as he's on the ground and the bucks music hits in 
the elite chants start going. The place loses their shit. Uh, the Bucks come down and do their their posing again. This one was this one was a little bit easier to swallow. This one was fine to me because it, it played out like the the bad guys or the heels are in the ring and they know they're coming. The impending the like the impending cavalry is is being acknowledged the whole time. It's not like a not like a the great gazoo where like nobody can see them until they're in the ring and they tap you. So the Bucks come in there, boom, secret super kick parties all around. They take out those three from Team De- or not from Team Defy, but basically the three cats representing Defy. Joey Ryan gets up, takes off his sling, and the Bucks set him up for a dick flip on Rosas. It's about to reach its climax. Uh, Cash gets back in there, and the Bucks finish things out with a melter on him. Boom, the Young Bucks chants start. And to be honest with you, they they have to go on for a good minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes. It's, they go on for what feels like forever. Um, pretty cool. Not a match. Just a just a cool little appearance. The Bucks get on the mic to cut a promo. Matt says some stuff like, base, uh, I think he, he says, deep down, Nick and I will always be indie wrestlers. He states that they did the appearance for free, which is super cool. Uh, and then they kind of, it's really nice. At the end, they put, they basically put the crowd at ease. They say, uh, indie wrestling, they say the indie wrestling's in trouble. Everyone's getting signed and everybody's getting locked up in contracts. But I just saw 25 great wrestlers in the back. You're going to be fine. Really, really cool. Almost like tucking in the Defiance audience at the end of the night. You know, very, very poignant way I felt for the Bucks to to come into Defy Wrestling. And those are the matches for this week, man. These were our All Elite Wrestlers matches and where they were at this past week. In the country, out of the country, doing their thing. We're going to move it along. We also got an episode of Being the Elite this week. It was Being the Elite number 135. Monday, January 21st, it dropped. Uh, We basically start with Hangman. We started with a close shot of Hangman. He's thanking Cody and the Bucks for coming with him. He said he had to tie up some loose ends. They pull out, and he's got his full gear on in front of a restaurant, which I thought was really funny. They kind of did a bit of mocking mocking Pac and how much more shredded he looked and how much cooler it was for him to be walking around in full gear than Hangman. Really cool. Uh, we then cut to backstage at Bar Wrestling, and we got into some cool EVP stuff. I think a lot of the EVP question marks have been raised about how the Bucks and Cody are going to coexist as, as EVPs. Um, so they do a cool little a little skit about it. Cody's backstage, and he's uh, talking to Peter Avalon, who's a wrestler who I've never seen, but he goes on to sign him, or quote-unquote signs him, for a million Dollars. He gets all excited and he leaves. The Bucks enter and Cody's talking to them. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great, man. I just signed a guy. Um, and they kind of do a little bit about an EVP, uh, which I think would be very cool. I think it could be very cool of a storyline to have the Bucks and Cody kind of get into a bit of a bickering and build up to almost like a rivalry, almost like a I can see like a triple threat match. You know what I mean? At a at that Jacksonville show between the three EVPs. Uh, he tells them he signed Peter Avalon, and they ask for how much, and he says, for one mil. And the, the I think Matt does a spit take. Really, really funny stuff, man. They're talking. Peter Avalon comes back in, but this time he's, like, decked out in all elite wrestling merch. It's so funny. He's, like, posing. He's got the jacket. He's got the hat. And it, it's that awkward situation in the room where they're like, ooh, ooh, yeah, oh, we got to talk, you know. <laughs> so he comes back, uh, and they basically tell him they got to they gotta fire him, man. I think he pleads with the Bucks at one point. It's not pleads, but he kind of tells him. He's like, hey, man, we're from Rancho. Like, what the fuck? Which, that's really cool to me. I've worked in Rancho, and, and it's good to know 
that uh that 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 uh camaraderie exists out there or at least they feel it, it should exist um really cool little bit that they got there going on katsukani omega from the tokyo sports award he's talking to his phone he's looking real like like he, kenny omega in this looks like he stepped out of final fantasy 18 or 19 or whatever they're on now um but he's looking dapper you know he's out there doing his thing he brings up his missing phone bit um if you got, i don't think we talked about it on on this yet i think it it, ta- it dropped before we started recording all the weekly but in one of the being the elites they basically had a cliffhanger where um how matt and cody and hangman's and all their phones had revealed the double or nothing and the all elite wrestling logos they had a timer going off for kenny omega's phone and he had misplaced his phone so he's eventually going to find that phone and i i believe at the end of the month it's gonna it'll read all elite wrestling or it'll It'll basically say that he's going to join um, join the Young Bucks and the rest of the Elite. So he's talking about where he's at. He won the best bout with uh, Okada, the Rainmaker himself, back-to-back, I guess, this year. It was their first, they're the second time in a row winning the best bout. I guess it's the first time that it's been done since Maso and Kobashi won it back in, or I don't know, back 23 years ago, I guess they're saying. Super cool feat. Congrats to Kenny Omega. He goes on to say that it's going to be his last day in, uh, in Japan, and he's heading back to Canada briefly. Last day in Japan. Who big words, poignant. I mean, for Kenny Omega, who's who's created a, a name for himself and basically become one of the biggest wrestlers on or in the or on the planet in New Japan pro wrestling. Really, really weird. It's got to be strange for him to be leaving that country, man. He's going back to Canada briefly. He does seem so super salty. You got a super salty Kenny there over not receiving the MVP award for the year. I guess he lost to Tanashi this year. Tanashi had a I, I didn't see most of his matches, but I did see his Wrestle Kingdom 13 match, and it was off the fucking chain. Uh, so shouts to him and shouts to Salty Kenny Omega, man. You got some money coming your way. You got a new leg of your career. I'm sorry you didn't win this MVP, but hey, there's gonna be a lot more awards in this cat's future cody and frankie gazarian are brainstorming for the american rebel cigars and then we get to do a recall or a repeat of my favorite bit from last week was an introduction of mjf so mjf enters the picture maxwell jacob friedman and cody gets to introduce him to uh to frankie kazarian they get to kind of repeat the good guy bad guy routine that they did last week so he as mjf like appeals to frankie kazarian he's kind of playing himself as like oh wow like i can't believe you know my name like you're a legend frankie kazarian like oh my god and as soon as cody leaves the room he's basically like you know fuck like look you ball motherfucker like these are shit like you're shit that end up doing the whole the whole mjf bit and every time cody would pop back and he'd be like oh this is great this guy's the best and mjf gets the score my favorite line of this week's episode where when cody's talking to him or talking to frankie kazarian he's like this guy's like jerry lynn this guy's as nice as jerry lynn as mjf is alone with frankie kazarian as he's about to leave he's like fuck jerry lynn and uh, as he's leaving frankie kazarian goes wow what an asshole i love him Super cool stuff to see MJF brought into the fold of being the elite. I think it's going to do wonders for MJF's career. I can't wait to see how they flesh him out. Such a cool, cool little cast member. Uh, after that, not much else. We had a, a quick intermission of Joy Janela, uh, Janela, the badass, or the bad boy himself, and doing a little bit of magic. It was funny, but they're going to need to get some more involvement from Joy Janela. I know he's got a lot going on right now. But with, I mean, as far as other commitments go, but with his injury, this should have been a great period for him to be fleshing out his character more and being the elite. But that's just from an outsider's perspective looking in. We close off the episode with uh, a lot of footage from Bar Wrestling. I think the footage that is up on Joey Ryan's channel is actually in being the elite. But a couple things that if you didn't see it yet, a couple things you'd be missing. 
is when Hangman actually goes uh, to extend his handshake to Joey Ryan. They do slow mo, and there's a montage. There's some there's some music, and they do a montage of of flashbacks to their feud. Super cool, super poignant, so awesome to see. Um, and then at the end of it, I think the last thing that I kind of caught my eye was at the end of the match or at the end of the uh, the experience with Ali taking over bar wrestling. You get a close up on Christopher Daniels and he's talking to the camera and he he shows uh, he chipped his tooth. He's like, oh, he shows a piece of his tooth is missing. And he's like, oh, it's in my trunks. This shit is real. So that's being the elite one thirty five. Cool episode. Um, that bar wrestling stuff. If you again, if you didn't get a chance to see it, it's all composed in there highlight obviously mjf man and that was being the elite this week let's keep it pushing we're gonna move on to news this week in all elite wrestling like i said at the start of the show it was a super slow week for for news what we did get basically came from from three interviews that we had um the first one being uh not an interview the first one being a podcast with chris jericho i promised last week that he was going to be dropping uh, a new episode of talk is jericho last wednesday january 16th where he was going to be saying basically the whole story of how he came to all elite wrestling uh he said from soup to nuts man uh, so i'm kind of just picked out a bunch of a bunch of tidbits that i found interesting first of all things that jericho dropped he did say that uh his fellow winnipegger don Callis was the impetus for his match with kenny omega and the reason why he went to fight kenny omega in new japan don Callis has been like a, a wrestling dude i think he used to own tna um i know he's he's a big commentator for impact now i know they hired him back um and new japan as well as well in the past i think chris jericho mentioned that he how cool it'd be would it be for chris jericho from winnipeg to fight kenny omega from winnipeg and for the match to be called by don Callis from winnipeg super cool i thought that was dope he said uh he went on to say he hadn't been in a wwe or a ring that was a non-wwe ring since 1999 and that was crazy to think about. What what a what a jump for Chris Jericho to to jump over to New Japan. I mean, exciting and invigorating, but at the same time, a, a huge risk. I mean, a huge step out of his comfort zone for him to do that. He goes on to tell the story of of kind of how um, his relationship or or his business dealings with Vince McMahon went over the past couple years. He says that it kind of started when Vince McMahon pitched him a casket match that he wanted Chris Jericho to fight in a casket match with Taker at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, sorry, at the Greatest Royal Rumble. But this is around the same time as he was starting to think about going over to New Japan for that Kenny Omega match. Um, and I, I, I think he says that once he signed that New Japan match for that that match with Kenny Omega, Vince just never called him back, man. Never called him back for that Royal or that Greatest Royal Rumble match. That's got to be disheartening. He he says something about like, you know, I know Vince is a busy guy, but once you the more callbacks you don't get, you start to feel less and less important. Um, so Jericho goes over and has that match. He ends up winning the IWGP International Intercontinental Title in New Japan, um, and I think he does attack on on Naito, which to which Vince Vince was was not privy to. I don't think he or most of us were expecting Chris Jericho to do more than one match in New Japan for wrestling. Anyways. He gets, I guess Chris Jericho got back in contact with him. He pitched him a match, which I think all of us would have loved to see. He pitched him a Intercontinental Champion versus Champion match. Seth Rollins versus Chris Jericho. How cool would that have been, man? That would have been so awesome. Much better match than I think Rollins has had in a long time. And such a good match. He deserves that, that caliber of match. But just like with the thing before, he pitched it. No word back from Vince McMahon. So Jericho keeps pushing, you know, keeps pushing along. 
eventually when it came time for Chris Jericho to uh to book his his rock and wrestling rager at sea I think he had stated that he didn't want to be the one to book it and he wanted somebody else to be in charge of kind of running it at least the wrestling portion so I know that he reached out to NXT to book it and once again uh either no response or or they passed um and ended up going to Ring of Honor that that uh that responsibility for Ring of Honor kind of took over there and that's where Jericho says that he started to form more of a relationship with with uh with the elite man I think the Bucks he said were the first act that was signed for the Jericho, the Jericho Cruise, and then Kenny, Cody, and SCU followed shortly after. Um, I know that he he saw a lot in those cats on that on that cruise, and especially loyalty wise, like that's a big operation to get off. You know, when your name is attached to something like that, like a cruise, like it's the Jericho Cruise. So shit goes wrong. Like there's no one else, or if if it's not as good, or if it, people felt that it wasn't the worth the money they put out for that. It, it all falls on Chris Jericho. You know, it's all his responsibility. And I think for these type of caliber talents to come on and really help him out, I think that built a lot of camaraderie between them and built a lot of goodwill, man. I think Chris Jericho definitely doesn't forget things like that. And if you're in this kind of business, you, you shouldn't forget things like that. He goes on to talk about how at the night of All In, if you missed his appearance at All In, he makes a super surprise appearance. I won't ruin that for you. I'm sure you, you did see it. But if you didn't, go watch All In again. Watch the Pentagon versus Kenny Omega match. Um, he says that the night of All In, Jericho flew from from Little Rock to Chicago, back to Arkansas for a Fozzie gig. He never told anybody this, but the private plane that he flew on was provided by Tony Khan. So little seeds here and there behind the behind the scenes that I don't think anybody knew or expected. I don't I don't think anybody. I had never heard that mentioned anywhere. I thought that was really really cool that Tony Khan was already putting in that groundwork. And he he knew how important Chris Jericho could be to this company. Um, he goes on to say that uh, Chris Jericho, once his new you know once his new Japan situation was running out, he considered signing with Impact. He uh, he talked earlier about Don Callis and what he thinks of Don Callis. He basically told him over at Impact to hire Don Callis, and if they don't, they're idiots. Um, Chris Jericho on Impact. He said, "Here's a couple quotes that he talked. He said about Impact. He said, quote, they made a great offer. They've got money." And they were going to spend money on Jericho. Uh, wow. I love how Jericho refers to himself as Jericho. But to me, that was news. When I've seen Impact recently, the product has been getting better. The wrestlers have been getting better. But yeah, I don't want to say rinky-dink, but it can kind of seem rinky-dink, bro. Like a lot of the places that they have their events out of. Like I think I saw recently an event in Salinas. And it was like this shitty little rundown rec center in salinas like you wouldn't expect impact to still have that money in their pockets but jericho's saying they do man so good on them um he also went on to say tony khan came in with quote the biggest offer of my career wow uh i wouldn't expect that either i mean chris jericho has is one of the mainstays of wrestling and for a brand new company to be offering that kind of money like we talked about in the past i think that's promising man he basically again went on to talk about the reasons why he chose AEW. He says in WWE, it wouldn't matter what I do. In AEW, it very much matters what Chris Jericho does. A couple more tidbits he talked about as far as, you know, the contracts with WWE talks with WWE. He said, quote, talks with WWE went all the way up to the rally, but there was no official offer. No official offer for Chris Jericho. He says, I didn't tell Vince I was gonna be there. He says we shook hands. And now it's time to go to war. It's time to go to business. Uh, that was a big one for me. That was that was pretty cool. He did not tell 
Vince McMahon, he was going to be at the rally across the parking lot and he was going to sign with AEW that night. I think I think he told him he was going to sign with AEW, but he wasn't going to. I don't think he told him he was going to make that splash right there with all that pyro and Chris Jericho there on their front porch. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Lastly, he went on to talk about TV. He said, quote, we're not going to be on an app. And I loved that. I thought Chris Jericho not i mean he he went on to say also i think that he we're not going to be on like the dirt bike channel or something like that which he said there's nothing wrong with that but chris jericho basically kind of confirmed aew means big business aew means big production and chris jericho's not here to fuck around man when you bring chris jericho somebody a name and a talent like chris jericho in you're you're going for top tier uh show top tier wrestling promotion uh next up we had this week on primetime with sean mooney it's a podcast with sean mooney who used to be a correspondent for wwf and i'm sure multiple other wrestling companies as well but his his guest this week was none other than bad boy joey janela nothing too big here i mean it was good if you get a chance to check it out i would listen to it joey janela gets to talk a lot about his 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 uh upbringing his backstory as far as in the wrestling business a little bit about backyard wrestling um he talks a little bit about that that Zandig fall off of uh, off of that roof, which I'm sure we've all seen at this point. I think it was on even on ESPN. Um, but just a, key, a couple of key points as far as news wise that I picked out of here. He's talking basically just about Joey Janela's knee recovery. We all know Joey Janela is still out um, on injury. If you didn't, I'm sorry if I ruined your day telling you Joey Janela was out on injury. Um, but basically on his knee recovery, he said, quote, uh, a few months, maybe four months. I should have a better idea at the beginning of next month for sure. Um, good background on this cat. Solid wrestler, man. Just like just like we talked about in the past. Joey Janela, I hope your knee he's, uh, heals up quickly. We're all ready to see what you'd bring to AEW. And lastly, this week we had uh, the Breaking the Kayfabe podcast. A guest was Cody Rhodes. Really cool stuff. A short interview. If you get a chance to check it out, I think it's like 25 minutes. I would check it out on Audio Boom. A couple of tidbits that we picked up there. Again, most of these podcasts, I was kind of just like picking up the key things I think that you, you'd be interested in. On AEW, he's talking. Uh, he's asked about the progress at AEW, where it's at. He said, "Quote: We're further along than people know. Um, we played coy at the rally. There was not going to be any news bigger than Chris Jericho." I thought that's pretty cool. He also goes on to say, we want to continue the entrepreneurial spirit of All In, which is a wrestling show put on by wrestlers. That was a big aspect that people loved, I think, as far as the Bucks and Cody trying to figure it out themselves. I love hearing Cody talk about the business side of it. I think he's really acclimating well. He's talking basically about what he's learned from Tony Khan um, and as far as signing contracts, you know, uh, wrestlers, benefits, things like that. Yeah. He goes on to get asked uh, about having older wrestlers, and he says, quote, I don't really want legends or older wrestlers as much as I want fresh. Um, The emphasis, he says, on fresh more than anything. Pretty cool. I think in the past, going all the way back to, you know, to the early ECW when it was still Eastern Championship Wrestling, and even further than that, and with Jimmy Fly Snuka or or Hawk being brought in, there's a big thing with wrestlers being brought in past their prime just because they're a name, man, um, or because they've been signed to a major company like WWF now, obviously, or back in the day, and either or, WWF, WCW. Really promising to hear Cody Rhodes say, just emphasize a bunch of times, fresh. We want new faces. Um, I'm not going to be regurgitating the same old thing to you that we've had in the past. Um, speaking on f- fresh faces, he's asked about the the OWE, the Oriental Wrestling 
Entertainment Partnership. He says, quote, it's been the first partnership announced. Um, he said, quote, first partnership announced. Those three words. That was pretty cool. That was, I think, the first time that we've heard anything like that spoken. I know we've been kind of speculating about um, involvement with Ring of Honor or New Japan. Speaking of New Japan, he's asked about New Japan as well. He says, for me, it's not the last time. I don't want to speak for the company, but for me, it's not the last time. And that would be really cool. I think he says we'd like to have a partnership with New Japan. He obviously doesn't say we have a partnership with New Japan, but he says I, I Cody Rhodes, would like us to have a partnership with New Japan. Sticking on OWE, uh, he's asked exactly what that partnership is. He says, quote, we're sharing crafts and talent. I hope to have OWE wrestlers appear in AEW and vice versa. That's pretty cool. I mean, imagine, like I, sp- I think I spoke about last week as far as Hangman going to Dragon Gate to fight Pac. Imagine Joey Janela over there in OWE when he gets, you know, when he gets healthy or somebody sending somebody like that, you know, someone who's who's representative of of um, the attitude of the company or the, the, you know, the the fresh faces and storylines that AEW hopes to bring to the wrestling business. Uh, lastly, last couple things here. He's asked about the roster, how big it's getting, where it's at, uh, when we're going to know fully about it. He says, quote, I don't think we'll have the full roster at Double or Nothing. We're setting up the summer show in Jacksonville, and we will have some fresh faces to announce there. Um, he also says, quote, we're looking at about a roster of 30 wrestlers currently. That's that's exciting. Um, he's I think he went on to say that he signed four four wrestlers earlier in the day. But then again, just like, I think he went out. He said that earlier in the week as well. That may just be one of his one of his one of his uh, his sayings that he's getting used to saying with having to do so much press all the time now regarding this. He's asked about meet and greets and as far as interacting with the fans, engaging the fans. He talks about how much he really missed that from his career and how once he's gotten out there in the indie circuit, seeing that that, that was what he was missing from his career. He talks about how they sat around and they they met pretty much everybody at that rally in Jacksonville. Um, and in rest indie shows, he says you can go on, you can spend a lot of time. You you can meet everybody um but he goes on to praise ring of honor and how they do the meet and greets he said ring of honor meet and greets system is flawless hopefully we can adopt that i didn't get to find out too much about it but i did see the not like all wrestlers at at a ring of honor events will come out for a meet and greet it seems like certain wrestlers will have certain dates that they're going to have their meet and greets last two bits uh he said here like he's spoken about on wrestlers pay he talked a little bit about how uh, growing up under his father, his father, Dusty Rhodes, was his not only his favorite wrestler, but his favorite actor um, of all time. Again, on the pay, he says, quote, there's there's this hot dog and handshake BS that happens in the wrestling business, basically saying that wrestlers don't get paid their full commodity. You know, they don't get paid for the full draw that they bring or what he feels is the value that they bring to a company. He says, quote, um, we're going to take baby steps. He He brings up again the idea of a union. He doesn't say we're going to implement a union, but he basically says, how the wrestling business feels that a, a union or something that would represent all wrestlers equally and ensure their rights in major against, you know, corporations or, or promotions trying to take advantage of the wrestlers. Um, he again, once again, says baby steps. Lastly, um, when he's asked about surprises, pops, things like that, TV, he says, we're spacing out our pops by double or nothing. All of your questions about all elite wrestling should be answered okay so there you go guys there you go if we're still curious about tv if you're curious about the roster size curious about those kind of things i know we're all waiting with bated breath each week i'm coming to you here to talk about these things because i'm as well waited with bated breath probably more so than anybody i know um 
but boom if you haven't already i'm sure you have but circle again add that fourth or fifth circle around may 25th on your calendar because then we'll know everything about all the wrestling that they want us to know that was all the news for this week if you are pumped if you can't wait for may 25th here are your chances to check out All Elite Wrestlers, either in action or live in person, this coming week for the week of January 23rd through the end of January. Uh, maybe scratch that. I think I'll have some 31st dates for you next week. Starting January 24th, Thursday, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you're out there, Beyond Wrestling is going to have uh, To Greek Town and Beyond Thursday Night Wrestling 4. Um you get a chance to see John Atlas and Space Monkey are going to be taking on Stokely Hathaway and MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. If you get a chance, go check that shit out. Um, I think you can find them at Beyond Wrestling. Next, Friday, January 25th, Poughkeepsie, New York, Northeast Wrestling. It's the Return Now show. You got a couple, man, you got a couple cool things on this one right here. Or I think you got three, three AEW appearances uh, for sure. Verified. Boom. Mike Verna versus the producer, the badass Billy Gunn. In the Northeast Wrestling title match, Brad Hollister is defending his championship against none other than Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. Um, I think there's also an appearance by Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. I couldn't find who their opponents are going to be. Uh, they may just be members of the 20-man uh, Rumble match that's going to be taking place towards the end. But guess what? Boom, there you go. You got SCU, all three in the building, and Billy Gunn. The next day, Saturday, January 26th, Waterbury, Connecticut. I don't know no people in Connecticut, but if you're one of them, Northeast Wrestling again, back to back. <laughs> They're moving along the road down there. Uh, this one is over the top event. You got Darby All In versus Scorpio Sky. And then after that, JT Dunn, who, if you recall, was team members with MGF, uh, sorry, MJF in the Tag Team Kings over at Game Changer Wrestling. JT Dunn and Mike Verna versus Frank Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. You got SCU in action right there. Uh, there's a 30-man Rumble match, so maybe maybe keep an eye out for Scorpio Sky. I don't think he's, he's confirmed for that one, but keep an eye out for him as well. Boom. Saturday. January 26th, that same day, if you're further on, if you're on the East Coast, but you're further south, I'm talking Dirty South, I'm talking Nelly Dirty South, Atlanta, Georgia, Chris Jericho is going to be at the Day of the Dead Horror Con. I don't have much on the info for tickets, but if you're into the, if you're, if you're in the area and you like horror movies and you like Chris Jericho, boom, there you go. Go bond with some fellow sweaties over your love of uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and also New Japan Pro Wrestling. Lastly, your last chance this week, Sunday, January 27th, Philadelphia. Again, Philly, Beyond Wrestling is going to have tryouts. Yes, you heard me right. I said tryouts um, for their Uncharted Territory event. They're trying out brand new wrestlers. If you've got a little, little experience under your belt, maybe you don't have any experience under your belt, but you're just a natural and you want to go give it a shot, Maybe 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 wait it out. But like I said, if you have a little experience under your belt as as a wrestler, uh, they're going to be having tryouts, and the tryouts are going to be judged by none other than Dirty Dixon and Joey Janela. Like I said, one person will be selected to fight at the Uncharted Territory event. So hey, if you're in the, the East Coast, um, if you're in that area, go try it out. Joey Janela said he had done like more than fifty tryouts and seminars and things like that just to own his hone his craft and get his name out there. So go get it done, man. Go get on that grind. 
Lastly, here, rounding out the episode, guys, to finish things off, I've got here for you our first installment, the first edition of AEW Weekly Watches, some archive footage for you guys. Like I said, I'm not familiar with the catalogs of a lot of the wrestlers for AEW. Even some of the ones that I'm familiar with, some of their bigger matches, I haven't seen a lot of their older stuff. So I I intended to go wrestler by wrestler and kind of do match by match. But I'm a little OCD. I'll be honest with you. I'll keep it. I'll keep it 100, as they say. Um, I I would jump around from a Christopher Daniels match to like a Frankie Kazarian match, and since everybody started at different times, everybody's different ages. There'd be a lot of overlap, so you'd you'd see Christopher Daniels pop, like an older Christopher Daniels pop into the same event as like a, a Frankie Kazarian, and it just wasn't timing out right. I'm 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 big into like I have to go back and like. I want to watch things in in you know in order. Like there's a cut of The Godfather that's like I think it starts with the the march, the funeral march, the beginning of Godfather two, uh, and it does Godfather two and one in chronological order. Like that's my shit. Like that kind of shit. Like I live for. I have to see things in order. Um, so we're gonna do, I'm gonna have a super old one for you here. The year is 1994. It's Smoky Mountain Wrestling TV SMW TV two 1994. I'm not saying that you should watch this on YouTube, but I am going to say that they're not on the WWE Network, so maybe maybe watch them on YouTube. Um, but for that 2-1994 episode of Smoky Mountain TV, it's the actual introduction of Chris Jericho, baby Chris Jericho and Lance Storm as the thrill seekers, and it's their contract signing. Um, I've, I thought I'd add that in there because it's kind of it's it's very relevant. We've just seen Chris Jericho sign the biggest contract of his career. Go back, watch him sign. Um, the biggest contract of his career in 1994 and see how excited he is. Um, he does not have a match in that episode. So I'm going to bring in, uh, so I brought a second one for you. I just thought it'd be a cool little tidbit from that one or a cool little clip to watch from that episode. Maybe check out the rest of it. Um, the next one I have for you is Smoky Mountain TV four two ninety four April 2nd, 1994. Um, and that one's the thrill seekers, uh, versus Larry Santo and Mike Sampson, Chris Jericho, Lance storm, tearing it up. It's so cool to see them so young, so quick, high flying, so agile. Um, Jericho's already got a lot of his, his moves. I mean, if you watch Jericho from then to now, just kind of watch like his body control. Um, a lot of the spinning heel kicks that he gets like the moonsaults, He's always been Chris Jericho, and you've always seen something special in him. If you're not, you're you're Ray Charles, bro. Um, and I don't mean that in the sense where you're 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 checking to see if chicks are hot by their wrists. I mean you, you're fucking blind. On that on that April uh, episode after their match, they also have this this segment called Up Close and Personal, and it's an up close and personal segment with the Thrill Seekers. It's just Chris Jericho, baby Chris Jericho from 1994, and Lance Storm in their hotel room. It's just some dude with like a little VHS camera, and he's just asking them questions. And it's it's cool at first, like you get to little get a little bit into their inside of how they're like in Smoky Mountain, how they're like in the territory, but then it's starts to get like oddly personal the guys like the guy starts asking like are you single like are you seeing anybody like what are you looking for it's just really really strange um but it's a really cool insight to to where chris jericho was at a brand new start in his career um the last time that he was at a crossroads like this as far as um as far as a new company or as far as a small company, you know, like when he jumped over WWF, it was still WWF. You know, it was it was it was a risk and it was something new for him. But he was jumping to the main ship. This is an example of Chris Jericho, you know, going to a smaller territory. Um, and I think it's really, really cool to see. So that's going to do it for me, guys. That's going to do it for this week. 
Like I said, it was a slow news week, but I had a lot to say about it. Obviously, we're almost at an hour here as I sit in here and record this for you. Plugging it up. Please, if you get a chance, go check it out. Go check out All Elite Weekly wherever you can. I am on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Instagram. Give me a holler. Give me a follow. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me which one you hear less of. Um, if you're interested in some commentaries or anything like that, let me know. If you dug the Chris Jericho matches um, and you got some more to suggest for me, please let me know. On that YouTube channel, All Elite Weekly, I'm starting these playlists. You can go uh, and see some of these cats' older matches. I'm going to be putting ones that I've seen up there and adding them as I go. If you got something that I've missed, uh, as far as chronologically, please give me a holler. Send me a link. That's going to do it for me, man. Whew. Uh, I'm Matt Cruz. Go be elite.